Caroline, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Can you tell me a little bit about your background? Yeah, experience? so I'm UK marketing lead for Money Farm. We're a fintech um, offering consumer investments. Um, and I started my career at Hodes doing recruitment marketing and employer branding. So a little bit of experience in this field. So I know you're from a recruitment background a while back. Now you're leading marketing for a fintech company. Um, that's B2C, is that right? Yes. So we talk to an audience of 35 plus, um, fairly wealthy, looking for help with their investments. And um, B2C marketing for me is very similar to recruitment marketing in that it's kind of one-to-one to a certain extent and you're trying to appeal to individuals. What crossover do you think there is? There's quite a bit. I mean, you're trying to attract an audience and trying to get an individual to take an action. So it's similar to, you know, trying to get someone to apply to a job. Um, so there's definitely some similarities there. And then, you know, for each of your products, you're working with personas, which is, you know, similar to the skill sets that you might need for a job. So there's lots of crossover there. You mentioned personas there, and um, some people might not know exactly what's meant by a persona. Yeah. Can you define what a persona is exactly? So we use personas to shape our marketing materials and our go-to-market strategy. So we'll, be, we'll build a marketing strategy around a specific persona. Um, and when I say a persona, take Anna. Anna is our persona. She's about 60 years old. Um, she's built up a lot of savings over time and she's starting to think about retirement. So her primary aim is getting a view of all her money. So what messages do we put out there to kind of show what the Money Farm product is going to show her? And how many different personas do you have running? In we wor- we work with three at the moment. Um, some brands work with lots more than three though, um, but we've got quite a narrow field of product in the investment space. And how do you think that could be applied to recruitment? So how could personas be used in the world of recruitment? I mean, you've got personas within roles based on experience, based on skill sets, um, based on the requirements of that role. But take it outside of what you need to kind of fill that role and think about, right, what do these people look like out there? Where are they, where are they engaging with media? So like an actuary might be quite active on LinkedIn, but not doing much on Twitter. Whereas a social media marketer might be using Instagram much more in their day-to-day life, um, so you kind of use the different, like use the personas to identify where your audience might be and what messages are going to attract them. For a team starting from scratch, they've decided they want to go down the route of building personas so they can target people smartly. How do they start if they've never done it before? I think you've got to start with, you know, from a consumer marketing perspective, it's a case of starting by looking at what need that product is filling. Ideally, your product has been designed to fill a specific need. And then thinking about what actions are going to encourage people to take that product out or take the action you want them to do. Um, And then it's a case of using various market research techniques um, to kind of find find those people and figure out what that persona looks like so we'll use sources like YouGov we'll do focus groups um, we'll do quantitative research so sending surveys out to people that look like our target market to help us define you know what is it that makes this audience tick what media are they using and then that our marketing strategy can be built from there I think that's the beauty in recruitment is you can ask your current employees who match the persona? Exactly, you've got you've got a pool of people there already. So you know, with Money Farm, we have some people that look like our target market, but then some people that also don't. Um, so it's a case of us, you know, your your staff are a font of knowledge for both marketing and and for recruitment engagement. What um, what technology do you use in your marketing team to 
kind of enable you to get the message out there and, and drive conversions. Um, so we use a wide variety of tools from programmatic display tools through to you know a lot of the social media sites um, right the way through to email marketing platforms um, I'd say the tool that's probably most integral to us um, is our internal data and our data management system to ensure that we can use that data um, to help our campaigns. Explain to me how that works then. Well as someone signs up to Money Farm, we collect data on mm. that person. They're answering a series of questions. They're taking a number of actions. They live in a certain area. They are a certain gender. We get all of this information. So we've got a data management platform that enables us to get this data because you know we've now got 18,000 customers. So it's quite difficult to look at individual data points for those. So we've got a tool that helps us kind of wade through that data so we can pick out trends quite easily. And the same again should, should be able to apply to recruitment. In fact, often they'll have hundreds of thousands of candidates sitting on applicant tracking system. And if you can track the behaviour in terms of what drove them to get there, you can start to be more targeted in, in what you're doing, I'm assuming. Exactly. So from your experience, you, you've, you've been in the world of recruitment with Bernard Hodes. You're now B2C with Money Farm. Mm -hmm. What crossover do you think there is there in terms of perhaps what the world of recruitment can learn from non-recruitment people in marketing are doing? I mean, I think a lot of the attraction tools you have are quite similar. Um, you know, it's all about building a brand um, in in the space. You know, what is it that you want your brand to be famous for as an employer? Um, is, it, is it the benefits package? Is it the development scheme? Is it something else? Um, so, you know, we do exactly the same thing from creating a consumer brand perspective. What is it that we want Money Farm to be famous for? Um, is it the super slick sign-up process? Is it the fact that we help them manage their money over time? You know, what is the element that really, you know, makes someone go, oh, that's Money Farm? Mm. And you want to do the same thing as an employer. Um, and then in terms of, you know, the media that you use, you're looking at the same media. Um, the only difference is if you've got an extra, extra level with job boards and things like that. Um, but, you know, a job board to a recruiter might be the same as what... Um, you know, like a financial website is for yeah. Money Farm. Um, so you're using a lot of the same tools. I mean, ultimately, we're both trying to attract people and people don't just live on job boards or on social media or in their email account. They use a range of things. So how is it that you surround that person to get them to take that action? And do you look at like a certain number of touch points before you convert somebody? Do you have metrics around that? We, we do look at that in a lot of detail. It shifts depending on the season. Um, but we th we kind of estimate that it's around about seven digital touch points, but then you add in those analog touch points as well. Um, but you know, you're trying to kind of constantly remind people a lot of our conversions come in the retargeting space as opposed to the first touch point. That's interesting because I know sometimes people have a tendency to go towards that's the most productive channel, so we should just put everything on there. But going back to that point around touch points, You've got to hit people in various places, haven't you, to convert them? Exactly. You've got to set up those key performance indicators for each stage of your journey. Um, I think recruitment's quite similar to what we're trying to do with investment. You're asking someone to have a job with someone that's spending a number of years. We're asking someone to invest with us for, you know, kind of five to ten years. Mm. Um, and that's quite a big decision process. They're not going to see one banner advert and make that decision. They're going to use a number of different things. You know, they're going to need to be reminded that you're there and they're going to be, need to be sold that proposition and trust that you're going to look after them and nurture them in the right way. 
use exactly the same words for an employer as you do for an investment provider. Um, it's just one, you're nurturing the career and the wealth generation. The other, you're kind of nurturing the money. And in your world, um, certainly in recruitment, we sometimes struggle to track the source of a candidate. Often it's put down to the last place they visited rather than actually maybe the first place or six, seven steps back. How, how do you tackle that? I mean, we still have a last click attribution model, which is definitely flawed. So we look at a range of different things, um, but it's definitely a challenge because um, it is so much easier to track on a last click point of view. But as long as you're tracking interactions and views, you can start to build that journey um, and you can pick up common journeys as well. So you can see that somebody saw this, did this, went there, went there, a few weeks later potentially, yeah. saw something else. Yeah, you can start to see which channels have a relationship and work quite well together, obviously. Some channels have less visibility than others, which makes it challenging, um, especially when you're in the offline space. But you should be able to spot like turning things on and off, having an impact on your conversion rates. You mentioned the, the offline space. What do you do in, in that space to convert? Um, oh, we've done numerous different things. I think, you know, looking at it offline versus digital is kind of like an old way of looking at it because you're looking at things that are going to touch the customer. But, you know, we've we've done out of home advertising. We do a lot on the radio. But, you know, some of some of those spaces are digital now. Mm. Um, so you can optimize to times when you know your audience are going to be there um, in some of the spots. Um, we haven't tried TV. Um, mainly because it's such a massive cost. But, you know, we've looked at press, we've looked at partnerships, we've looked at insert leaflets, you name it, we've probably looked at it. <laughs> and um, that broad approach just gives you that variety and gives you more opportunity to test things? Yeah, you, I mean, we're a startup. We've been going for three years in the UK, so whether you still call us a startup or not is, um, is, is a good question. Um, but we do adopt a test and learn strategy. We want to see things working. We want to see things performing and we are tracking every part of the journey. Um, we're tracking how long people are spending on our site, when the bounce rate improves, when that conversion rate improves, which traffic is best converting, which, you know, when our direct traffic, when that conversion rate changes, it tends to, you know, follow a spike in PR activity or um, something offline. Um, so we're looking at, you know, what's impacting the conversion rates of each, of each channel and kind of optimising always to ensure that, that we're getting the best we possibly can out of our spend. So there's a big drive at the moment around automation of your marketing efforts. So um, do you use any technology to enable that for your teams? Definitely. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, the ways we serve digital adverts, there's kind of, you know, algorithms and it's, you know, all programmatic now. But you still need the science of marketing you know you still need to know who your audience is what action you're trying to get them to do what your brand stands for you can't leave it all down to automation there's still a degree of art that sits over mm. that um and it's only you know with marketing automation it's only as good as what you put in um so we do a lot of stuff automating things around the kind of user journey so someone's put in an email address but not gone any further, that's going to trigger a certain action. Right, they've gone a little bit further but seem to have dropped off at this point, that's going to trigger another action. Or they've gone all the way through, become an active customer, that's going to trigger another action. Um, so you want to make sure that, you know, 
you're thinking about your customer journey throughout that you're not just trying to automate the process to kind of save time you're actually trying to do it to enhance that interaction with them so when an organization is marketing themselves whether it's for recruitment or for for selling a product type reasons um differentiating themselves can be difficult and so much noise nowadays how how can an organization approach that I think personalization is really key to that. You know, it all boils down to why a consumer is interacting with your brand and ensuring that you're showing what value you're adding, whether that's, you know, in terms of their career or in the case of Money Farm, in terms of, you know, the product that we're that we're offering them. Um, and for us, we found that, you know, humanizing that journey and, you know, bringing in their investment consultant and enabling that conversation has been really powerful in terms of unlocking more interactions. So that personalization piece, piece has been absolutely key Definitely. in that environment. Okay. So in your world, how do you measure success of your team, the marketing team? I mean, an ultimate success is based on, you know, how much people are investing with us, how many active customers we're generating. Um, but we break that down into various different KPIs um, and we optimize across those. So whether that's, you know, cost per view or the amount of traffic we're landing on our, we're getting up to our website or the conversion rate of that traffic on our website, what, how many of the people coming to our site are then going on to becoming users. We look at the same from a mobile app perspective. Um, so there's a lot of different KPIs that we, that we look at, but the key one is always active customers and how much they're investing with us. Okay, excellent. And the other metrics are really kind of feeding into that. Exactly. There's the stuff we're doing to get to that point working. Yeah. So I imagine in the recruitment world, it would be a lot, you know, it's getting a person into a role you know so how many applications are you getting for that actually you know getting 300 applications to find one person might not be the best thing you might be better off getting 50 mm. to find that one person because from a time perspective that saves you massive amounts of time so how do you optimize that journey to get the optimal result and do you have um, tech in place that helps you do that analysis and what yeah. do you use um so a range of different things we google analytics is our always a starting point um, but we'll use, um, you know, advertising tracking systems and stuff as well. Which I guess is very similar to the applicant tracking exactly. systems. Yeah, and stuff that can manage your, your media and how much you're paying per click and all that. Kind exactly. Of thing. Yeah. So there's various different tools depending on which part of the marketing um, journey you're looking at. Um, and it's just about making sure that you're getting the best performance out of all of your channels. And regardless of how much of a marketing budget an organisation has got, um, being known for whatever it is they do, whether it's an employer of choice or somebody selling financial products, is really important. How can you go from literally no brand awareness to some brand awareness and, um, and relevance? It's definitely a challenge to build that brand awareness. Money Farm's been around for three years and probably most people watching this won't have heard of us. Um, and I think brand awareness is the thing that brings you efficiency that's when you can start turning certain things off and your numbers don't drop to zero. Um, but having that base level of brand awareness is absolutely key to get those conversions. But I think, you know, if you've got a limited budget and you're trying to build that brand awareness from scratch, a lot of it is about making sure your proposition is really, really clear. Your positioning is crystal clear. Um, people understand what it is that you're selling to them. Like these are all the things that help you have more cut through, even if your budget is limited. So we know brand awareness is important and it makes everything a damn sight easier. Um, what 
specifically have you guys done to improve your own brand awareness? I mean, brand awareness is not something that you can kind of change overnight. You've got to build on it um, over time. So, you know, the the channels that have a bigger impact on awareness do tend to be offline. So for a brand like Money Farm, so that is radio, that is investing in out of home. TV would be great for boosting awareness. But how do you then convert that? Because it's not with a growth brand. It's not just about building that awareness. It's about getting that awareness to produce a customer action. Um, so ensuring that you've built your whole marketing funnel to kind of optimize that brand awareness that you're building. Because you don't want people to just know about you, you actually want them to interact with you. And how do you check that people understand your brand? So beyond just being aware of it, actually understanding what it is you do. I think for that, you're looking at your conversion rates. If, you're, if you've got a really high bounce rate on your site, people are probably coming to you not quite knowing what you're doing. Um, whereas if that bounce rate is starting to come down and that time on site is going up, people are probably engaging with you a bit more, understanding you a bit more. And then you're also looking at that kind of visit to user conversion rate as well. So, you know, what proportion of your tra traffic is then going on to convert and start to take a product out with you. So the higher the conversion rate in theory, it means the messaging before that point is on point. Exactly. And accurate and understandable. Exactly. Okay, excellent.